Welcome, everybody, Dr. Michelle's Wild Warrior Podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you all here. And today, uh, for his second appearance, I have my uh, one of my favorite humans in the world, Coach Thomas Benj. And he is a retired sergeant from the police force and a longstanding martial artist um, ever in training. Uh, he is a fitness coach, Strong First certified, and he's also a revered preacher at a community church in Redmond, Oregon. So I'm super privileged and honored to have you here today. And, you know, all of those things mean uh, a lot, but really what means the most to me, Coach, is the fact that you're my mentor. And um, I revisited our original podcast this morning, as a matter of fact, just to kind of refresh on where we have come. And um, I think when we recorded that, I wasn't even training with you yet. So it was so interesting just to kind of hear our communication at that point and then just fast forwarding, you know, almost a year later um, and the growth and depth of our rapport and then also just me as a human. I really um, attribute a lot of that change and, and beautiful growth to you. So I'm so honored to have you here today um, uh, for my episode, Race to be Human. <laughs> I'm so, excited to be with uh, you. Yes. Well, I appreciate your time always and, and I am looking forward to some great conversation here today. I just wanted to start briefly and then I'm going to give you uh, the reins here, but I was thinking about some things this morning um, about our topic today and this whole year, I feel like year and a half, I guess now has been so much about everything but being human. Um, we've talked about a virus, we've put people in isolation, we've um, disconnected, we've been very divisive in our social, um, you know, endeavors, I think, as a nation, as a society. And so um, in hearkening to the idea of worry being a misuse of the imagination, where we focus on things that aren't real and that we fear, mm -hmm. I was thinking that today it'd be nice to kind of focus on what we hope for and what will actually unite us and bring us together. Mm. And so that was kind of my little uh, thought as we intro today. So. <laughs> I, you know, Doc, uh, thank you so much for, for having me back uh, uh, on your podcast again. And, and you're right, just uh, I have looked at our, our relationship over the past year and, and it has enhanced my life immensely as well. So the um, the benefit uh, I hope you know is felt this way as well when when somebody opens their life to you and lets you become a part of it I don't know how you can't help but grow in that process as well so so thank you to you um, your your opening is 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 really deep on on a lot of a lot of different levels um, and I think the the biggest thing to start is we have to come to a place where we understand what is really driving us. And I think at the heart of a lot of what has, has driven us specifically over the past year has been, has been fear. We, we, we've been afraid. We, we are afraid of this virus that we can't see. We are afraid that um, people won't, see us and and so I, I think in an attempt to to deal with the fear to uh, have some control to feel that there is value um, maybe we have just swung you know past ultimately where we want to be and and we're we're missing the the big picture and, and that is is we can't I, I don't think we can really totally unify when the emphasis is on division and, and depending on who you talk to, they would say, well, that, that's not the case. I, I kind of sit back and look at it and say, well, 
everything that we're attempting to do to bring us together is really focused on all of the things that 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 separate us out you know from how we deal with the virus to how we deal with issues of race and equality to to all of those things so i, I believe that we have to accept and acknowledge that at the core of of a lot of that we're being being driven by fear and if we could um maybe start there and say you know i i'm afraid you're afraid we're we're all afraid for reasons that seem to make sense to to us if we could start the conversation there then then maybe we would have something to work with in instead of you know looking at the symptoms uh you you can't you can't fix a disease you understand this doc looking just just dealing with the symptoms you have to get to the root of it what's causing it so um so that that's that's probably where i would 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 start us on on this topic of conversation um I, i've just watched over this past year and a half or so just um how afraid i think people um, generally, um, I'm not speaking about anybody specifically, but generally people just feel very afraid. And when we're afraid, we can respond in some very unpredictable and unhealthy ways. So, Yes, I definitely agree. And I think, um, you know, I, I always believe that the, the pendulum kind of swings both directions. Um, equally eventually <laughs> and there's always kind of that low in the middle um and i really i like the idea of duality um being kind of necessary in order to see the unification and uniting of people mm -hmm. um and you mentioned race and i think that's a such a relevant subject these days and i just appreciate your perspective so much on it um, well, one, because you always have your kind of calm demeanor around these subjects, uh, which is also why I like training martial arts with you. Because I, know, I know I'm safe. Um, but, you know, this, this kind of um, divisive nature that we've seen coming through, this pointing out of differences instead of honoring them as uniqueness and individuality, um, one of my gurus that I listened to, he was speaking about um, the rays of the sun as being, um, they're from the sun, they're part of the sun, they're representative of it, but they are not actually the sun, right? right. And you could apply that to any higher power, um, God or universe or energy or whatever it is that you um, resonate with. And, and that we are kind of tendrils of that, um, that unification, that, that source, right? right? And I think that so much of what's happened this year has caused us to forget. And, and I think you're right, the fear definitely has a role in that. And, um, and so you know, my question, I guess, to you and to, you know, all beings <laughs> is what do we do about it? You know, where do we go from here? Wow. Uh, another really great question. Based on how I, I see things and, and you alluded in, in the introduction, um, I, I have the awesome honor to serve as the senior teaching pastor at a church. So a lot of, a lot of how I tend to start is framed by that. So if I may, I will, I will speak from that framework. Um, based on where I live, I, I kind of go, I, I believe that we all extend or bear the image of the original that in, in my speak being God. So when I look at you, I don't see um, the things that make you so uniquely different from me, other than to appreciate them. I, I think that your, your uniqueness adds depth to our relationship, if, if that makes sense. Um, in, in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul 
says that we are his workmanship. And the Greek word for workmanship is an interesting word to me. It's the Greek word poema, where we would get the word poem. So when I think about all of us, every single person, when I, when I look at Doc Mattingly, I see God's unique poem expressed in you. So it, it, it's his beautiful expression. So when we, when we look at each other, the differences should point to the magnificence of the one that created us. And we are all expressions of, of the one that made us. So I should appreciate the uniqueness in you. You should appreciate the uniqueness in me and not see that as something that points to a hierarchy of better or worse or less or more. No, you were, you are his unique expression. And when my life and your life connect, we add to the whole in a much fuller way than we could individually. It, it's like an orchestra. The violins, the violins sound the way that they sound, but if we went to an orchestra and just listened to violins, it might be nice, but it's not the same sound as when we add the horn section and when we add percussion. And while everybody has a different sound, they all play off the same sheet of music to create something that they couldn't create individually. And, and that's how I choose to function, flow, and deal with, with everyone. You are God's unique expression. And I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that you're not my unique expression. Um, so that's how I, I, I think about it. And, and I think, and I'm not necessarily saying that everybody should start with that spirit, the same spiritual connection that, that I have, but if we could all get to a place where the differences are designed to be added to the whole, so together we could do something as humans greater than any one human could do by themselves, then I think we appreciate each other differently. That's um, very beautiful. And I really appreciated the, um, you know, the orchestra example, because I definitely think kind of, I mean, we're, we're trying to reach toward harmony anyway. And like you said, there's so many unique moving parts in that. And as a collective, we can certainly do way more than we can just as individuals, but we also have to retain our individual nature in order to do that, correct? I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I don't think that you should try to be me and I should not try to be you. The, the beauty is that you are you and I'm me. And when we all come together, the beauty that is created is, is, is much better than if you're trying to be me and I'm trying to be you or I'm trying to reduce you something less than you or you're trying to reduce me to something less than me. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see any other way um, to actually become what I think really is at the heart of most people. I, I believe even in all of the chaos and confusion, most people at their core want the same things. We, we want to be seen. We want to be appreciated. We want to be heard. We want to feel that we have something to add to the collective that is beneficial. That's what all of us really want. And, and I think if we can start there, then we can have a calmer conversation than, um, you know, trying to, for lack of a better way to explain it, Doc, just, it, it feels like almost beating one another into submissions. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, I, I find, Find that you know I can't help but draw parallels to the health world just because that's my wheelhouse, right? And right. Uh, well, and yours to a large extent as well. But um, 
you know, that one of the things that's been so interesting for me to watch this year and, and disheartening as well is this idea of um, foregoing our individual choices and in health mm-hmm. for the sake of the community, right? And, and what I think we lose in that is the fact that if we are individually healthier, then the community is up-leveled as well. And I, I think that there's some, some parallel, wouldn't you say, between um, kind of taking ownership of who we are and our uh, personal health for, you know, just because I'm using this example, um, in order to better society instead of, you know, oh, you need to do your part this way. It's to find a certain way for you instead of trusting your own intuition and your own instincts and knowing your own body um, and making those choices as an adult, you know, for the sake of your betterment so that you can be your best self for everybody else, right? I agree. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Doc. No, I. that's kind of where I, I wanted to hand off the baton, actually, because you know, I think... It, it and 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 I always want to. Uh, you you always do get to see the calm side of me. I process stuff a little bit more chaotically sometimes. And my misses, she she gets to get the sometimes the raw unfiltered version of it all. You know, coming from my my background in law enforcement, uh, I was often, you know, when you call the police. It, it is because things are chaotic and, and out of control. And, and so, you know, we go in and we say, okay, here's, here's how things should, should proceed. And, and sometimes I, I think people, again, I think it's, it's fear driven. I'm going to make you responsible for taking care of me instead of me going, well, what am I contributing to the, the, the system that is, is not the most powerful version and expression of me? I, th- I think because that is a hard look when, if I look at myself and I say, I am contributing in such a way that it is lowering the um, potential for the greatest expression of everybody because I'm not doing my part. That is that is a real hard look. That's that's hard. So, what do I do instead? I'm 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 gonna you know call the call the police so to speak. I'm gonna say, well, you need to to fix. It. I, I don't know how many situations I responded to as a police officer. I was thinking this is this is not really a police problem. This is an adulting problem. Just <laughs> and I would go in and say, no, this is not a police problem. This is an adulting problem. You guys need to figure out how to grow up and together figure out how, how to work this out. And I, I think you're you're right. We have we have spun this fear machine up so much that people have lost the, I'm not going to say the ability, whether it's desire, whether it's the maturity to look inside and say, okay, this, this is what is going to be best for me. And then how does that contribute to the, to the greater good? Instead we say, well, let's, let's let the system just kind of take care of us all and, and that doesn't work because as my, as my sweet bride would say, we have to understand that anytime we say the system is necessary to fix everything, we have to understand that we are the system. And if we can't, if we can't look individually, as you pointed out already, and, and say, what is, what is my part? Um, I, I think we'll just continue to go round and round and, um, and it just, it just never stops. So we have to say individually, how does my part contribute to the greater good? What, whatever that looks like, my, my part. So. 
Right. And I, I think, um, I got, how am I going to say this? <laughs> I think we've started hovering around this place of mediocrity as a, as a culture. Hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, I don't know what the, what the driving force or catalyst of that has been. Um, perhaps it's been that, you know, a large majority of us have had a lot of creature comforts and, you know, it's not been super hard. I mean, we joke about first world suffering or whatever, waiting in line for our coffee. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, and I don't wish suffering on anybody, you know, but I do think it's part of being human on this planet and in these bodies that are mortal, right? And I think that, in, I mean, you've said it before, like we're here, so why not be awesome, right? Um, you, you just quoted that this week and, and I fully resonate with that because just like with health, why wouldn't we wanna make it better for ourselves, right? I mean, of course I know the, the reasons people are inhibited. I deal with it all the time in my patients and with myself, frankly. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I, I feel like if we're, I mean, I joke with my patients that like we're on this trajectory and hopefully we're just kind of always on the uphill, um, slope, you know, even though we're going to have those sine wave kind of ups and downs along the way and setbacks. And, and sometimes I think that some of our setbacks and adversities, whether it's as an individual at, or as a species or as a culture, are some of the biggest places of growth. And so I keep thinking about this year, this year and a half and all the social things that have happened and all the things that have happened, you know, with lockdowns and everything else and disagreements and silencing and censoring and all this stuff. And I keep thinking like, maybe we're touching on that kind of low end of the pendulum as it's swinging the other direction and that we kind of have to hit that area of um pain and and uh like the wound is opening up right and so we have to be able to look at it and let it heal finally right. and so go, go ahead. ahead no no please finish doctor well i just was gonna kind of tie it into race because i feel like you have such a beautiful perspective on all of it and um i default to you so much because you know you, you represent many different um, backgrounds and in your own life, you know, you've seen things from lots of different perspectives. So I feel like this racial issue that we're seeing, um, well, one, it's almost separating us more from each other. And that is really painful to watch. Um, there's this place of both fear, like you've mentioned, but also kind of uh, hatred in some ways, um, or, or just, um, oh gosh, I, I basically like rationing people down to a certain level in order to somehow explain history. I don't really know how to wrap my brain around that because I just see human beings and like you've mentioned before, um, our uniqueness makes us awesome. <laughs> and, um, and then we also have this connectivity between us all because we are of the same species. And if you believe in higher power, we're all of something bigger. Absolutely. There, there is a saying that I have truly started to embrace. It, it comes out of uh, Zulu culture and the, and the word is sawabona. And it means I see you and that I seeing you is beyond the, the surface stuff. It's, I, I see you. So when I, when, when I see Doc Michelle, what I see are her dreams, her hopes, her fears, her strengths, her weaknesses, the same as I have. Um, regardless of what we look like on the outside at the center of who we are as, as people, I believe all of those things exist. So for me, 
the start is I, I want to see you, not you as a white female in America. I want to see you as a person who just desires to have the opportunity to be the strongest, most powerful expression of herself in this world. So uh, that that's that's where I start. Second, I, I kind of think about, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Coach Carter. And there's a scene in the movie Coach Carter where Samuel L. Jackson is asking his players what they're afraid of. And this one kid who just, he has a lot of difficulties on the team. He finally comes around near the end of the movie and he, and he quotes this poem and, and I can't remember exactly who it is. I want to say it's Maya Angelou, but it might not be her poem. But he says, it, it is our strength that is the frightening thing. That's the thing that's frightening. It's our strength that's frightening. And in the poem, he says, we don't do anybody a service being less than. So as for me, as, as I... As I look at the whole race thing, and and you're right, I have a perspective. I recognize that my perspective is my perspective, and it might be quite unique. Um, being a black man, I grew up in a predominantly black area for a good part of my life. I'm now married to a white woman, um, and I even hate saying it because it's just my queen. I'm just married to my queen, and, and I hate even reducing her to a white woman because she's so much more to me than a white woman. She's, you know, she's my queen. And, you know, having been in law enforcement. So my perspective is, is my perspective, but I, I do believe I can, I can speak to it. I would say this, and, and I thought about it looking at your little um, blurb that you sent me over email I would say, you know, privilege and, and a lot of those things which we're, we're trying to spin around that. I, I think about opportunity. And I will say this. I will say that everybody has the opportunities that they have based on where they are, who they are, uh, what they bring to the table in terms of attributes, either God-given or uh, manifested through practice and education and all of those things. I, I would say that all of us have opportunities and you probably had opportunities based on where you were, when you were, <laughs> that were different from my opportunities. And the question for me always is, are we maximizing our opportunities? And in, instead of trying to separate it out that, um, I think black people have it worse than, than white people. Yeah, I understand history. So I'm not because somebody's going to look at this and go, where is this guy coming from? And, and I accept history. I, I say, yes, let's let's talk about history. Some some horrible things have happened in this country to to black people, but they happen to Asian people and they happen to Native American people. And so if we reduce it to just black people, well, what about a lot of the other people who have suffered, you know, all of those things. Yep. So let's, let's talk about history, but now let's talk about where we are. The reality is this, that all of us, regardless of the color of our skin, we all have opportunities greater than many generations before us. Uh, I think I've explained to you, my grandmother was a contemporary of Martin Luther King so she was on the front end of it. And somebody asked me, what would your grandmother say if she was alive? And I, I would say my grandmother would say, is there work still to be done? Yes, there is still work to be done all the way around. Uh, I don't think it's, it's just a white to black thing. I think it's a black to white thing, black to Asian thing, Asian to Hispanic. Thing. I, I think all of those things. And she would say, there is work still to be done. She would also say, we have opportunities that we have never had before because of all of the people that came before us. And I think trying to drag us back down into history 
is actually cheapening the the work that all of those people did before us it it is not living up to the potential that we have now and and so for me um my perspective is we all have opportunities are my opportunities the same as yours no are your opportunities the same as mine no the question is what did you do with all of the opportunities that were presented to you? And I would say that where I am in life right now is based on my maximizing of the opportunities that I got. And to some degree, it's piddling the way other ones that I had. So um, that that's how I choose to approach it as opposed to um, I don't have a chance because I'm not white and therefore there is a privilege that I miss out on because, you know, none of us chose to come the way that we came. We came the way that we came and we're doing the best we have with what we, what we've gotten. And again, I, I accept history and, but I think we have more opportunity in every race, in every gender, more than we've ever had before. And the question is, what are you doing with what's been laid before you as opposed to crying about, um, you know, what happened 400 years ago? <laughs> That's, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I'm, I'm not trying to minimize it. I, I, I've, and I'll just be honest, and I hope it's okay to say this doc, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to be a slave. I've never been a slave. Never. I, I, I don't know what it's like. And, and I imagine that it's horrible. But for for those who are descendants from slaves and, and those sorts of things, those people made a sacrifice so that we would never have to go back to that. So maximize your opportunities, all of us, black, white, Asian, Native American, Hispanic, whatever. This is this country is not not flawless. Uh, I've been working on something between perfect and flawless. This, this country is not flawless, but you know what? It, it is perfect in the sense that we all have a chance if we're willing to take the chances that we're given. Absolutely. I think that's so beautifully said and, and I really um, resonate with that and agree with you. I mean, you know, we're in these bodies for a reason and um, we have these experiences for a reason that we draw into our lives. And kind of, I guess, to harken back to what I mentioned earlier about worry being a misuse of the imagination, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have this opportunity to focus on how we want things to be. And just like you said, we are flawed as a country, we're flawed as individuals also, and that's part of what makes us beautiful. Um, because then again, like to use your word, we have opportunity to learn and grow and change those things and to forgive those parts of ourselves and those in, in each other, right? Absolutely. And I, yeah, and I think that, um, you know, to kind of, think about the holographic type uh, view of us as humans and the planet and the world and history and all of these things. And if we kind of think of um, almost the quantum time frame of things, right? We, it's almost like our duty to, to do the best we can. I mean, that's how I feel about so much of my life. It's like, well, uh, my time is finite. You know, I watched both of my parents pass away and, and that is such a gift because you recognize your own mortality in that. And instead of um, seeing it from this place of fear and dread, for me, it sparked so much life um, because, you know, they kind of passed on their life force into me and um, gave me this window. And I could look at it a different way, couldn't I? I mean, I could definitely mm -hmm. be forlorn and sad and, and dread my own um, finite time here. 
or I could just be better and take, like you said, use my opportunities that are, that are presented to me and, um, and learn and grow in the process and forgive myself when, when maybe I pass something up, you know? Um, so I think we have choices in everything we do and there's, we've talked about this before, but there's this, there's a sense of, um, loss or, or maybe people have just kind of lost their purpose in some way or their their drive or their uh, feeling of meaning and connection and I think that's been part of the nature of this year and being isolated and all that I've certainly seen it in teenager a lot sadly um, and so it's easy to grasp on to these big movements because it gives us this sense of like oh, I am doing something powerful or that has meaning or that's going to make a difference. And I, I don't fault that. I think that's a great um, human instinct, right? Uh, but instead of jumping on bandwagons of like, that end up crushing other people, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, as we've seen, you know, with lockdowns and all. Um, why not just jump on our own bandwagon of being the most awesome person and sharing our gifts with others and trying to build other people up? Uh, this, this morning, uh, I started my day. Uh, there are a group of men in my church and, and we meet together. And so uh, the makeup is, is pretty unique. We have a, 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 an Asian gentleman, he's Japanese by birth, He's married to a, a Caucasian lady, and he was there with both of his sons who are 21 and 19, and then there's myself, and and then we have, uh, you know, three, you know, Caucasian men uh, that we're all meeting, and, and I just use that to just kind of give you a, a, a picture of this group of guys, <laughs> and we were just discussing, and the question came up, if, if tomorrow were your last day on earth what would you do with today and it it was none of the stuff that has all of us in a tizzy uh, about life everybody at the table said you know what if if tomorrow were my last day today would be spent loving the people closest to me and maybe trying to pass on something that could help them continue with their life. And I think your, your, your speaking of purpose is, is huge. I, I think most of us, my grandfather would say it this way. A, a lot of people have opted to just aim themselves through life. You know, they're just kind of pointing themselves through life. They don't really have a true direction or, 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 or purpose. And if you stopped and asked people and said, okay, today is all you got. This is it today. Tomorrow you're gone. I think today everybody would decide to be awesome. Everybody would. Everybody, if you knew tomorrow was it, today you would decide to be awesome whatever awesome looks like to you. And, and I guarantee you awesome would be spent pouring into lives in meaningful ways. And if we could, if we could take that and say, well, fundamentally, here's what we don't know. We don't know if tomorrow is our last day. So why not live today awesomely? When you wake up and your feet hit the ground, why not live awesomely and 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 i i think you you speak to something really good people have lost their purpose people don't don't see maybe any way out so they've opted for you know these big causes and and, and things like that but um i'll just be perfectly honest with you this this is more meaningful to me, our relationship, our interaction, than you jumping on a computer on a post. And 
oh, this is not fair and we should, you know, you know what? We, we live life, like do something, do something that, that matters. Um, go visit somebody, go, go really face to face, touch somebody, don't touch keyboards and that kind of stuff. Go, go touch people. Um, spend, if, if you think that that matters, then make it matter. Um, yeah, I, I think we've, this is the only shot we get. And if we, this is what I believe, this is the only shot that we get. And how can I, you know, maximize my impact with the time that I'm, I'm given? Uh, Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's son was famously quoted as saying, the key to immortality is living a life worth remembering. And so how do, how do we do that? My, you know, my purpose, um, as my parents would say, you know, you stay at a friend's house when you leave, leave it better than you found it. Uh, I'm trying to live life that I can leave the world, the places that God has ordained me to touch. I want to leave them better than I found them. And, um, that that's my purpose. And I think ultimately that's everybody's purpose. Yours is you know, through being a doctor and helping people heal and, and all of those things and what you're doing with your podcast, you're saying, hey, this is my purpose. I want to leave the world better than I found it. Um, and I think if we could get back to that, then then maybe some of the other stuff would be less important stuff in, in, in the grand scheme of things. So. Yes, um, that's very profound and awesome. <laughs> Um, I also, I think that there's these waves that happen as a culture and, um, and we're in one of them right now. Uh, and some of us are surfing it and riding it gracefully <laughs> and some of us aren't, and some of us are going to fall and get crushed along the way. And some of us are going to rise up and. Uh, and I don't say that in a righteous way. I think that um, getting crushed in the wave teaches you a lot too. Um, but I just, um, I think that we have to figure out a way or hopefully are figuring out a way where we can all ride the wave together and give each other space to do cool tricks or to just barely hang on or whatever that looks like. And, and that to me involves compassion um, because, you know, sometimes I'll go into the store or something and there'll be somebody in front of me that's complaining or annoying or whatever it might be. And I always try I mean, depending on my mood, I guess, but <laughs> I mostly try to uh, consider that perhaps they had a really terrible morning or maybe they've recently had a tragedy or maybe they're just a challenging person. That's probably the culmination of some things in their life that define them, have defined them, or they've allowed to define them. And you know, so much of this year for, I mean, I can't really, it's just such an important reference point, I guess, but has been about, um, you know, assuming, assuming something about somebody else, you know, if they have a mask on, you assume one thing or another, or if they uh, wear a certain, you know, social justice hat or whatever then that puts them in another if they wear a red hat it puts them in another yep. realm and we and we just make these assumptions and we have, I've abutted against this a lot in my speaking out about some of the things with COVID and how it's been managed or mismanaged and um you know people have made assumptions even my own kids sometimes are like mom where's your political leaning now and it's irrelevant because my impetus for all of that is to help people find their healthiest self and to try and see people with compassion and recognize that there has been loss of life. Mm -hmm. And how can that better? 
Right. I, you know, to, if I can, if I can go back to, you know, what you started about the wave, which I thought was a really, was a really beautiful picture. Um, I, again, I, I think in images and, and a lot of really cool stories for me uh, come from the study of scripture and, and there's a, in Mark's gospel, uh, Jesus is with some of his disciples and, and they're in a boat and they're going, they're going to the other side. And it said that this great storm arose and the disciples are freaking out. They are literally beside themselves, right? And Jesus is asleep on the boat. He's sleeping and they're freaking out. So they wake him up and they're basically like, hey, don't you care that we're about to die? And, and if, you, if you grew up in church, you know the story and, and Jesus quiets the storm and he says, you know, why do you have such little faith? Well, I, I kind of look at that story and, and, you know, we, we think about Jesus and we go, but he was God incarnate and uh, that's different. But here, here's the interesting thing. Before the journey, he told them, we're going to the other side. So he already spoke the destination to him. He already said, we're going to make it to the other side. Now, he never told them that it was going to be my ties and sun rays. And, and he never said that. All he said was, <laughs> we're going to make it to the other side. And so kind of going back to your wave thing, if, if all of us could pause for a moment and go, you're right, we, we have these waves in culture, right? If we all go, hey, we're going to make it to the other side. Now the question becomes, how do we want to get to the other side? Do we all want to be a frazzled mess when we get to the other side? Do, do we want to intentionally blow each other up so that we're carrying body parts when we get to the other side or or do or do we want to look at one another and and I look at Doc Michelle Doc Michelle looks at coach T and we go how can I help you get to the other side in the best way possible yep the storm is going to take something from us the storm is also going to allow things to manifest in us. How are we going to get to the other side? Because here's, here's the reality. Uh, mankind is going to get to the other side of this. Uh, in America, we're going to get to the other side of this. Here's the question. How are we going to be on the other side? How would we like to be on the other side? Are we going to tear each other up, beat each other down, blow each other up. And, and now we get to the other side and we have um, a less powerful expression of ourselves. Or are we, are we all going, you know, we're all on this boat ride together. We're going to get to the other side. Let's get there the very, very best way that we possibly can. Because now... I give you space. You give me space. I help you. You help me. I uh, that that's one of the ways that I I I choose to look at it. You know, um, your that wave was was a really great picture, and it triggered this in me. The reality is, we're going to get there, guys. How are we going to get there? You know, um, do we want to be do we want to be a mess when we get to the other side, or? Would we like to get to the other side and say, you know what, it, it, it threw us around a little bit, but you know, by golly, we all made it and, and uh, we're, we're a better version of ourselves for it. And, and I think that's, that's, that's how we give each other space and, and to assumption, uh, I was listening to John Maxwell this morning and he said something, he said, we don't we don't see people the way that they are. We see people the way that we are. Mm -hmm. So before I pass a judgment about Doc Michelle, if, if I feel a judgment coming up, that's generally an indicator for me to check some things about me. And, um, Again, going back to early in our conversation, that's scary because 
that requires me to answer some questions. You know, where, where's my level of maturity growth? Um, all of those things, you know, do I see this person as worn out and tired and angry and upset? Because in fact, I'm worn out, tired, angry. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, you know, my, my little take on that. Yes. Well, and also thank you for that other um, example as well, just as a segue to the wave example, because I do, I do think you're right. It's like, we have to figure out how to be calm in the storm so that we're not a disaster when we've ridden it out. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like the carnage, we have control of some of the carnage by our choices in everyday life, you know? And I think um, one of the things that martial arts, in my much more limited experience than yours, of course, but um, one of the most beautiful gifts I've I've gotten from it is mindset and um, and awareness in the moment because you know we hear the catchphrase flow state and all that when you're in the chaos of random attacks or you know someone someone coming up behind you and grabbing your throat or um, or even just the effort that it takes to perform. Uh, where you have to kind of dig deep, whether it's, you know, any kind of physical challenge, really. Uh, if you if you don't find that sense of calm and peace in the chaos, then you're adding to the chaos. Mm-hmm. And you can't make, you know, it shuts down our logical thinking and it shuts down our ability to make choices and, and instead we're just reactive. And I think a lot of people go through life that way, where they're already kind of at this heightened state of whether it's anxiety or uh, fear or, you know, all those emotions, I think, drive that. And that's why some sort of practice or training allows us to be calm in a, in kind of a manipulated state, um, orchestrated state and then when we're kind of let loose into the chaos of life we can tap into that again because it's we've we've established those neurological pathways Mm. and yeah and so we can be zen in the midst of you know something that might be challenging or distressful or you know a loss or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. so um I, I just kind of encourage people to figure out what that practice and that training is. It doesn't have to be martial arts, but if it's something where you, you know, you sit quietly every day or you um, have moving meditation in the woods or whatever that looks like, the more we practice those things, the more we have control over our response in life. You know, going back to our first, um, podcast, I think one of the things we talked about was the breath, you know, breathing. And, you know, I think that there would be some people that would would listen in on this podcast. And they may say, well, you know, the study of martial arts, I I probably wouldn't do that. And I don't don't know if I understand meditation enough to, to get into that. But here's something that we all have access to. And, and, and breathing is one of the most unique things in human experience because it is something that we can consciously control. It's, it's one of two functions in the body that occur both consciously and autonomically. Blinking is the other one. The most unique thing about the breath is the breath is a segue because we can control it consciously between our psychology and our physiology. So even just the practice of, of breathing, just learning how to breathe in a stressful situation, it can, it can change heart rate. It can change pulse. It can change our ability to think uh, and process. So, 
you know, for, for a lot of people, they might say, well, I don't know if I would ever uh, go study martial arts or, you know, I don't, I don't know if I completely understand meditation or, or but, you know, we, we have a, a built-in tool all the time and, and it's just, just breathing. And I would say somebody just going through a daily practice of just, you know, practicing on consciously on their breath you know what's happening doing every inhalation and exhalation can do a lot of things uh, for health and it's something that can be transferable into those um, those chaotic states um, I, I think that that can help and I, I agree with you 100 and and I try to bring all of that into all of the other practices and you know as coming from the kettlebell world how how the breath and even kettlebells go together and martial arts how the breath and martial arts and in, in yoga and, and breathing, all of those things go, go together. So um, I agree with you that um, we've, we've become okay with being the guys freaking out in the boat instead of, <laughs> instead of like, you know, why was, why was, why was Jesus not freaking out in the boat? Why was he not freaking out in the boat? And uh, you know, he used the word, he said, peace be still. And in Greek, the word peace was undisturbed. And, and I would, you know, I, I've preached on this and I told our congregation before that Jesus Christ was in the same circumstance, but he was in a different condition. Yeah. He was in the same circumstance, right? But he was in a completely different condition. He was undisturbed. His condition was undisturbed even though he was in the same set of circumstances that they were in. And, uh, and I think a practice of undisturbedness is, is good. And, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, probably, you know, because they, they don't feel that they have a response. The only response is one of um, loss of control because they don't, they, you know, in my martial arts training, I remember our instructor, he said, the longer you're on this journey, he said, what you find is that you actually become a calmer person. And he said, the reason why is because you know that you have a response. So there, there is some ego that you let go of when you're like, I, I don't have anything to prove in this situation. Um, so I think all of those practices, uh, can be good. Some physical practice, whether it's martial arts or, um, physical training, conditioning, strengthening, just breathing, meditating. I think all of those can help us have a response to, um, the chaos that, you know, we may find ourselves in. That's, that's so important. And, and I absolutely agree. I think the breath is such an easy place to practice. And like you said, it just has this, it's the kind of turnstile of, of um, you know, our emotional response, our thinking response and our physiological response. And, and we have so much control over it <clears throat> every day, anytime. It's always accessible. I mean, one of the things in my handouts to my patients is, you know, taking some breaths and I usually tell them do it at the stoplight, you know, I mean, yeah. instead of getting aggro in your car at a traffic circle roundabout or whatever, like take some breaths then and practice, and then you will get back in tune with your body again. And, uh, you know, as far as I just, it's so interesting to me as we're talking to see kind of the individual nature, um, that translates into the collective. And so just like we are a compilation of cells and, you know, um, physiological parts like the veins and the nervous system and all of that, and, and we, our bodies are one, um, you know, each of us is an individual cell of sorts uh, in the collective human, human race. And, um, we have to train each other a little bit with that too. And I think, you know, people ask me like, why am I so committed to my 
physical fitness or whatever. It's like, because I hope that I radiate that out to others. I mean, yes, selfishly, it feels good. <laughs> and I like to be stronger. And I like to, you know, I want to make sure I can do all the things I want to do in my lifetime and not be broken when I turn 50 next year. Um, but <laughs> sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think that we are a collective of parts as well for the species that we're in. And it's kind of our responsibility to be radiating out the, our, our unique gifts to others and take some ownership of that so that we can have that collective breath to slow us down and to allow us to respond instead of react. I, I would, so it's um, no, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say that I, no, I, that was, that was the end of my thoughts. <laughs> I was, I was, I'm, I'm in total, total agreement with you um, there. I, I, I think that when we are the strongest, most powerful versions of ourselves, what it does is it gives everybody else permission to be the strongest, most powerful version of themselves. Uh, it creates space for people to grow. Um, like that poem, I think that when we play small, when we don't do our part, it actually stifles and it plugs up the system. And, and as, a, as an organism, the, the human race, um, we become less than. So every place that, um, that I'm allowed to touch, because I'm not touching everybody, but everybody touches everybody who touches everybody who touches everybody and then eventually everybody's touched. Um, if, if I see my expression of the most powerful version of me as opening the gateway for you to be the most powerful expression of you, then we, we win. Um, and, and I think that, you know, for me, it, it's all summed up uh, this, this way. Um, when eyes collide, we lose. When eyes collide, we lose. When, when individuals, I being me and you're an I, when we're running into each other, we lose. So what we need to learn how to do is understand that we are responsible for we, <laughs> you know, we, we are responsible for we, it, it is everybody's job to, to make us as vibrant as we can be. And, and that starts individually, but it, then it falls into the collective. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, I think that we should finish up there because that's like the perfect launching pad for us all being awesome in our individual lives and for each other and with each other. Oh man. Uh, what a, what a, what a dream. I, I, maybe I'm naive, but I, I believe it's possible. I I've too many, too many great people in my life. Um, to believe otherwise, I, I'm I'm honored every single day when I think about people like yourself and my wife, and you know some of the the awesome people that that I get to serve at my church and and in the gym. Um, I I see it on a real level that when we just dispense with all of the foolishness and we just come together, really amazing things happen, and uh, I don't understand why that I refuse to maybe accept that that can't happen on a much bigger level. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, one time you said to me when we were talking about um, being in a fight that if I don't believe in myself, then I've got two people against me. And I think that we are, have forgotten to believe in our species and our human race. Um, unfortunately, or many people have, and, and so we've got ourselves against us. So it's time to just change that thinking and believe in ourselves as individuals and as, you know, a community again. 
And I really well, feel like that's the answer, like coming back to kind of the village mentality and how can I be the pebble in the pond that benefits you or that you benefit somebody else because of something I said or something I did or just getting a hug from somebody in the morning or whatever. Uh, those things create this ridiculously powerful ripple effect. And um, yeah, I'm an idealist like you in some ways. And I think that we can literally change the world if we change ourselves and those around us just a, a little bit for the better. It, it's like Monsters, Inc., Doc. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie <laughs> Monsters, Inc., right? Yes. You know, so they're, they're, they're using fear and they found that uh, laughter was three times more powerful than screams. And, and I believe, you know, we've tried the energy of hate. We've tried the energy of division. And, you know, it, it's energy. So it moves the system. I don't think anywhere good. But why not try the energy of, of love and acceptance? And, and, and why not you know, try that. I, I have, you know, a little mantra. I, I do a little thing in my church where, where we talk about tough issues. And I say the rules of engagement are simple. We love first. We love first. And, and I think that that's a word that maybe in our culture, people, you know, relegated to a Hallmark card, but I believe it's one of the most powerful things that we have available. We love first. We listen we listen, you know, we see each other. I, I want to hear what you have to say. I lean in because it's hard to hate people up close. <laughs> and, and I learn. And that's, um, I, I think, can really change the game. If we love, listen, lean in, and learn from one another, I, I think what we can do is, is beyond powerful. So. Amen, coach. Amen to that. <laughs> oh, man, thank you so, so much for your beautiful wisdom and insight and your willingness to share it. Um, thank you for being my mentor and helping me grow and learn and be challenged all the time. Um, and especially thank you for your time today. I'm so grateful. Uh, and all of you, I appreciate your your attention and your listening and your open-mindedness and your willingness to kind of think, think um, differently potentially. And, and if anything, take away from this that you have control over your opportunities and you can take advantage of them and you can take a deep breath anytime. Anytime. Doc, it's, it's a pleasure. You know, I love spending time with you, even if it's virtually. Uh, you know, thank, thank you so much for, for what you're doing, um, you know, on a health perspective, our physical bodies and, and uh, be, being willing to uh, create a forum to brave some of these topics. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of this kind of talk may not be popular, but, and, and that's, and that's okay. And, and, and that's okay. But we, uh, I thank you for who you are and, and thank you for trusting me. And I really appreciate it. Absolutely an honor. All right. Well, get out there and do something amazing today. And um, I will see you at the gym soon. And the rest of you, I will see you on the next episode. See you, Doc. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.